Well, it's good to have you here this morning. If you're excited to be here, say amen. amen. It is my honor this morning to introduce Dr. Johnny Nix. He is a dear friend of mine that God has used greatly in his life and ministry, both in my life and the lives of others. I remember, I guess it was right at three years ago, we were on a bus driving through the Galilee region of Israel, and on that trip, um, there were uh, about 30 of us pastors there, and I uh, had a first-hand glimpse to be able to watch Brother Johnny as he would interact with those pastors, and what I saw, witnessed that on that trip, is something he has proven time and time again through his life, and that is he has a genuine passion for other ministers and other Christians, and he has proved that through his life. He is working on his second doctorate's degree, has plenty of academics and on committees. He's chairing the Georgia Baptist Pastors Conference this year, and the president of that, God is using him, but what I appreciate most about Dr. Nix is not his accomplishments, but rather through his accomplishments, he has not lost focus of what truly matters, that is preaching the Word of God. And so it's with great honor this morning I'd like to introduce Dr. Johnny Nix. Thank you, Brother Randy. Thank you. I appreciate Brother Randy saying all those kind things. I was wondering who he was talking about. <laughs> I'm delighted to be with you this morning, and thank you, Pastor Randy, for the opportunity. I know you're blessed to have Randy and Sandra and their girls here. Truth be known, Randy suffers from the same plight that I do. Uh, churches have voted me in because of my wife and daughters and not because of me. And I know that is probably the case with Randy. We love Sandra. We love the girls. And uh, at least that's what my folks tell me back at Pickett's Meal in Dallas is we took you because of your wife and your daughters. They're uh, so sweet and kind. Uh, we're still holding out on you to see if you'll work. Uh, but I'm delighted to be here. I spent a number of years at First Baptist Church in Wartburg, Tennessee, and we had a great ministry there. And when I sat here this morning, I was reminded of how it felt at Wartburg First Baptist when I first arrived there. It feels the same way in this place. And God did amazing things in that church in that little mountain town. And the best is yet to come for you. And I believe that with all of my heart. You realize this community needs this church to be healthy, and this community needs this church to be reaching out into every corner. And I believe God's going to use you to do it. And I think He sent you the right man uh, to lead that effort, and I know you folks will be prayerful and be behind that. This morning, I want to ask you to take your Bible and go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I'm grateful for those that are joining by way of radio and those that are watching online, and I'd love for them to join us as well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm extremely blessed this morning to have my wife Hannah with me, as well as our youngest daughter Joy. We have three girls, two of our oldest girls are in college in different places and so it's a blessing to have them with us today. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 verse number 13 is a beautiful text in the Word of God that gives reference to the coming of our Lord. I believe this passage with all of my heart. It can gr bring great comfort to the heart 
of those who desperately need it. But it can bring a great discomfort to those who do not believe it. And I want to just give you a little bit of time in the text this morning with me to examine the words of our Lord. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 verse number 13. The Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes to the church of Thessalonica, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Will you bow with us for prayers? We pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father, as we come to you in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would add your blessings to the reading of your word. Thank you, dear Father, for the privilege and opportunity to be with the precious people here at North Etowah. I pray, dear God, in our hearts that your Holy Spirit would move. Lord, that you would breathe upon your word in a special way. God, that you would ignite within this congregation a desire to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And also for those who may not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, may they draw near to Jesus today and be saved. Dear Father, I know that you still save people. And I know your desire is that the lost would come to Jesus. Those who have never trusted him would know him as Savior. And I pray this would be the glorious day that happens. We ask it in Jesus' name. And for his sake we pray, amen. The boss of a big company called one of his employees one day, having problems with the computer system. This employee was the only one who knew how to fix it the right way, and so he calls him, and the voice on the other end of the line was a little boy whispering. He said to him, is your daddy there? He recognized it was a child. He said, yes. He said, can I speak to him? He whispered, no. He kindly was a little frustrated, and he said, well, is your mama there? The voice said, yes. Can I speak to her, the boss said. The little voice said, no. He thought, well, maybe there's a babysitter. Someone is staying there. Surely, they wouldn't have left the little boy at home alone. And he says, can I speak to someone who is there with you? And he said, no. He said, is there anyone else there that I could speak to? He said, the policeman. He said, what is he doing there? He said, well, he's standing next to the fireman with my mother and daddy. And he said, wait just a moment. 
Do you hear it? There's a helicopter. Well, the boss at that point, his excitement is running wild, and he says to the little boy, what in the world is going on? And he said, well, they're looking for me. (laughs) Can I tell you something? There is going to be a day in which this world is going to be looking and wondering about those who have trusted Jesus that have been called away to heaven. And that is a very real event. Sometimes we read the scripture and it's almost like it's so distant and foreign to us. But there will be a day when God will call those who believe in Jesus home to be with him. This morning I want to speak on that subject. But really my subject matter is a question, are you ready for the rapture? You realize that word does not appear in the text of Scripture, the word rapture. Neither does the word trinity, neither does the word grandfather. But we believe those things as well. Under the surface of the text, even in this passage, is a Greek word, harpazo, which means to be raptured or as the scripture puts it, to be caught up together with the Lord. This morning, I want to ask you a question. When that day comes and God's children are called from this world to the next, are you ready for the rapture? Can you say within your heart and mind that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and that you have the certainty of eternity do you know the Lord Jesus when you study eschatology what some refer to as the end time events there is a a broad consensus about when Jesus will return I'm a pre-millennial pre-tribulationist I believe the rapture of the church will take place before the tribulation Some believe that the rapture of the church will take place middle of the tribulation at the three and a half year point. And some even believe that after the tribulation is over that Jesus Christ will return in the rapture. May I say something to you that some people get so bothered about when he comes that they're not concerned about the importance of his coming. It doesn't matter whether you're pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. We should all agree that Jesus Christ is coming. But I do believe the text of Scripture lends itself to the reality, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that something grand has taken place, and those who have believed in Christ are called away. We're going to examine these verses one by one as we walk through this passage. You see, this is a young church at Thessalonica. And some have come along and discouraged them and disturbed them as to what they believe about their loved ones who are already going to be with the Lord. And they're losing hope because someone 
has misinformed them. And Paul is speaking in a way to every child of God to encourage their heart that what the Lord promised because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he will also fulfill in that same power in the rapture or his coming for his church. And I want us to examine that this morning. There are really three different areas that I want to consider. And I want you to consider, number one, the fact that Jesus Christ will return. It is a fact. And we have the Word of God on it. I believe it's important to understand when we open the Bible that it has much to say about the coming of the Lord Jesus. But I think it's important to understand, just as Jesus Christ came the first time, he will come again. One of my favorite Peanuts cartoons is when there is an intense conversation between Linus and Lucy. And Lucy wonders when she looks out the window and looks at the rain, she says, I wonder if the world will be destroyed by a flood again. Linus responds to her and says, it'll never do that, Lucy. In Genesis chapter 9, God promised that through the rainbow that God would never destroy the earth by flood again. Lucy responded, boy, that sure takes a lot off of my mind. And Linus said, sound theology has a good way of doing that. Can I tell you much in the same way, Paul is offering sound theology to settle the hearts and minds of these people at Thessalonica. So here they are, and he expresses this truth to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And basically he says two things about the fact that Jesus Christ will return. He said, first of all, we should appreciate it. Look at verse number 13, if you will. He said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. He's calling us to a greater appreciation of the fact that Jesus Christ will return. He says, don't be ignorant about it. You can believe it. You don't have to sorrow as others sorrow because you believe in the return of Christ. Apparently, these Thessalonian believers were troubled, and so Paul basically says, these people are not asleep. They're asleep in Jesus. Their bodies are dead, but their souls are alive in the presence of God. And so this is a great reality that Paul is laying forth in front of them to say, do not sorrow even as others who have no hope. You have hope in Jesus, and your hope is in the return of Christ. And so just as you believe that Jesus died, buried, and rose again, you believe that Jesus will return again, and you should appreciate it. He not only says we need to appreciate it, but he says we should appropriate it. Look at verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Paul seems to say, brethren, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies. What he said is, do you believe the word of God from the past? And just as God has kept his promise in the past, God will keep his promise in the future. And he said about your dead loved ones, that God will bring them with him. That God has the ability to comfort and appropriate this truth to our heart so that we know how to live in this world. Notice verse number 15, how it's appropriate. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. We have God's word on this subject of death, burial, and resurrection. If we die, there'll be a great resurrection in the rapture. If we live and are alive when Jesus comes, we'll be caught up together with those in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. We really win either way, don't we? We have the blessing and the hope of Christ's return when he comes, whether we're dead or whether we are alive. Now here's what I think is important to understand. Not only the fact that we have the word of the Lord on it, but the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 8, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Oftentimes we lay the body to rest on this side. But even though we have the body, the soul that believes in the Lord Jesus is going to be with God. I think it's important to understand that when somebody is dead upon this earth and they believe in Jesus and their soul goes on to be with God, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord, that they are more alive than they've ever been before in the presence of our God. I read about a unique funeral custom that was conducted in Africa. In the ceremony, all the close friends and family, they'll gather around the casket mill quietly gaze at the corpse. There's no singing, there's no flowers, there's no tears. And at a specific signal, they will all piece, put a piece of peppermint candy in their mouth. And they will stand around that casket until that peppermint dissolves within their mouth and they will understand just as that mint dissolves that this person is to dissolve in their mind at that moment and they're to say goodbye. But I'm glad it's not that way for believers. Yes. We have a blessed thought that when we die in the Lord, death is not the end. We're not sitting around weeping because we will never see our loved ones again. We weep because we miss them, but in our hearts, we rejoice of the promise of the eternal. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How in the world could you grieve about something that you know exactly where it is? 
Oftentimes people will say in response to when we lose a loved one, I'm sorry for your loss. But you don't lose something when you know exactly where it is. My little brother in between me and my youngest went on to be with the Lord after 13 days of life on this earth. It grieved my mother and daddy's heart. I know my mother still feels the pain of losing that child even to this day. But in a greater sense, she did not lose the child. Because we know that when that child's life ended on this earth, that it was safe in the arms of Jesus. That's the promise we have in Jesus. Paul in verse number 15 and verse number 17 uses the pronoun we. He indicates that this is not just a belief for all of you, but it's a belief that myself, what I preach, and all of you who are listening, we believe together. This is not just something I'm saying. Paul said it's something that we all believe. There's a great shout that will take place, a great noise that will be heard. And I want you to consider this. It will first be from Jesus himself. Look at verse 16, if you will. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a what? A shout. With a voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. There's not going to be no last minute substitute or replacement. The Bible gives us every indication that this is not something that Jesus is delegating to someone else. And even though the word archangel referencing possibly Michael is in the text, it didn't even give Michael that responsibility. Notice, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Notice, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The Lord himself is coming. He's not sending someone else to get us, but the Lord himself is coming to get us. And the Bible gives such a great indication with a shout, which is a Greek word that gives us the idea that there is a command that is being given to a specific group of people to respond to. It's, it's almost like a hunter would call out to the hounds. It's like a charioteer would call out to the horses that it's time to go. And one day Jesus will step forth from the clouds of glory and with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, he's going to call his children home. It'll be time to go. I think about often what it would be like on that day. What's it going to be like when the trump sounds? Well, I can tell you this, the shout speaks of God's command to those that are sleeping to get up. And the Bible said the voice of the archangel, that speaks of the cry of Satan to give up. It's telling Satan that it's over, that he is the defeated foe. 
and the trump of God shall stand. And that is the call for all the saints to go up and to be with God. What's it going to be like? Well, the Bible says what it's going to be like. The dead believers will rise first. Those who have died and gone, God is going to bring up. Can you imagine being around the graveyard at the moment that trumpet sounds and seeing old Joe and Sally and Susie rising up from the grave, meeting them together in the air, people you have not seen in years rising up out of the grave with us who are alive and remain and we're meeting together in the air to meet the Lord. The Bible said the dead in Christ shall rise first. W.E. Vine said, as sleep has its waking, death will have its resurrection. And those who are in the grave, boy or girl, mom or dad, older man or lady, will be raised first to meet the Lord. It's going to be an impressive moment. So what is it like? The dead believers will rise first. And then the Bible says that the living believers will rise next. When the Lord splits the eastern sky and the shout is sounded, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ will, will be raised first. And then we which are alive and remain, verse number 15, under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yes. The fact that the dead that had been buried would be raised first. And those that are living and remain, those believers who remain upon this earth, will be raised up together with them. And then here's a thing that I think you need to get a hold of. All believers will unite. And that's a beautiful picture when God brings the dead and the living together with Christ. And God brings all that are saved together in one place with Christ. And here's what verse 17 declares. To meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The word meet there, meet the Lord in the air, gives the idea that we're entertaining royalty, that we are approaching greatness, that we're not just casually meeting in the air, but this is something that we have longed for and looked for, something that we love in our hearts. Glory will be revealed when we are resurrected to meet Christ. Somebody wrote it this way, what a great homecoming day, what a day heaven will be. When we bid this world goodbye and his face at last we see, what a glorious day. This is God's word this morning about what I consider the first advent of the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the rapture of the church. My question this morning is are you ready for the rapture? Here's my final thought and I'll be done. You choose eternity. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, rose again, 
The text talks about if you believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, then you should have no problem believing that Jesus will save and raise those in which he saves. But there's a responsibility that lies in the lap of all of our hearts and minds that we have to make. Sam Gordon, one of my favorite writers, says, when we think of Christ's soon return, there's a sound to hear, there's a sight to see, there's a miracle to feel, there's a meeting to enjoy, there's a comfort to experience. But for some, they don't draw comfort from this passage of the promise of Christ's return because they're not ready to meet him. Are you ready for the rapture? The Bible tells us about the unbeliever's disappointment. Look at verse 13 again. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Is it possible this morning that there's somebody in this service, somebody listening by way of radio or even online, that in your heart you do not know that you're saved? You're not ready for the rapture. You're not ready to meet God. May I beg and plead with you to come to Jesus? And come to Jesus today. Don't put off something you can settle in your heart today. The unbeliever's disappointment will bring great sorrow. Wouldn't you agree that those who have no hope are sorrowful people? You've seen it, haven't you, through the years? People who have no promise to see their loved ones again, no hope of the eternal, no hope beyond the grave, the sorrow that grips their heart is paralyzing. Brother Boardwine, you've seen it through the years when people are just so hopeless and they bring their loved ones and they ask you to help them do those final arrangements and there's just such sorrow and grief. Well, I've experienced grief and you have too. But for those who have known Jesus, we handled it entirely differently, didn't we? I've got loved ones over on the other side that I longed to see that believed in the Lord Jesus. And because I believe in Jesus, we'll be reunited together again. But what about those who do not know Jesus? Some of us have loved ones that do not know Jesus and we've not done anything to bring them to him. You don't wait till they get cancer. You don't wait till they have a terminal diagnosis. You don't wait till the last hours of their life. Tell them about Jesus now. Tell them about Jesus daily and weekly. You say, they'll get upset with me. It's better for them to get upset with you temporarily than for you to have sorrow in your heart about their eternal lostness and their lost condition. Tell somebody about Jesus. The unbeliever's disappointment brings sorrow. And a bereaved family has no way to deal with their grief outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus came to this world, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus offers hope through the death, burial, and resurrection. Here's the thing. The unbeliever has a great disappointment, but listen, here's the believer's delight. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the great comfort, the great comforter, the parakletos of God, the one who's called alongside to help us. And the believer's delight is this, that if we know Jesus Christ, that we are comforted in the fact that we know him as Savior, that our loved ones know him as Savior, and there's really two responses. There is the believer's response to gather in their lost family and bring them to Christ, to bring in their friends to Christ for them to be saved. There's the unbeliever's response to respond to the Lord Jesus and be saved. As the musicians are coming to the instruments and those that are listening by way of radio, I want to ask you a question to those that are watching online. If you do not know the Lord Jesus, this would be the greatest day to know Him. The greatest day to know Him. And the believer's delight is the fact that when we have believed and trusted in Jesus, it makes all the difference. Here's what Paul said, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. It's amazing to know that God will keep his word and he will return again. Every one time that God said he would come the first time through the person of Jesus, eight more times in the New Testament, he says he will come again in his return for his people. And I would say this, that you and I need to be ready for his coming. I love the story of Sir Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton had left a group of people in his effort to travel to North Pole on Elephant Island. His heart was broke when he had to leave his men behind, but he promised his men he would return again. And he made several efforts to do so but to no avail. One time the ice broke in a certain way and he was able to make his way toward Elephant Island uh, to redeem and to salvage those men. He found those men ready and waiting when he arrived. In 30 minutes they exited Elephant Island. It was the quickest departure and the reason was one of his commanders said every morning when we would wake up and find that the ice had broken I would say to the men, roll up your bags and get ready because our commander will return. They held on to the promise of his return and they prepared themselves every day uh, that the ice broke for when Mr. Shackleton came, they were ready to leave. I want to ask you a question. When it concerns our eternity, our future, and knowing Jesus, are you ready should he come today? As a believer, have you got things ready and prepared? Are you preparing your family? Rahab the harlot found out about the glorious redemption of our God. And she gathered all of her family in the room, put a red cord out the window for the salvation of her family. That's what God's people do. They gather all those that are lost in 
to the fold. They bring everybody into the ark of God and we believe in redemption as God's people and we get ready for the rapture. Are you ready for the rapture as a believer? This morning as we stand our feet, are you ready for the rapture as an unbeliever? Have you been saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Here's what I want to do this morning. As we stand together, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And I want you to do this. I don't do this normally, but I want you to do this. If you're here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you look at me if you're not saved? If you're not saved and you're not ready for the rapture, would you look at me right now? Anybody in this building say, Pastor, I do not know 100% for sure that I'm saved. I do not know that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I'll pray for you, but I'd love to speak to you for a moment. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I tell you that he died for you? He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you the hope and the promise of eternity. And then listen to me for a moment. If you're here and you're a believer that has not reached your family, your friends, your neighbors, then you're not ready for the rapture. You've still got people to bring to Christ and an effort to be made to bring your sons and your daughters and your mom, your dad, your brother or sister to Jesus. Wouldn't it be wonderful this week in this revival service if you brought somebody to church who did not know Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God dealt with their heart and they came to know Him as Savior? I want you to ask yourself a question. As a believer, are you ready if the rapture were to take place? Our brother's going to lead us in a verse of song and I pray that you'll be obedient to the Lord. We'll be around the front if you need to pray. Would you come? Would you respond? Whatever the need is, whatever you're feeling in your heart, would you respond to God this morning?